0: It's an awesome story, isn't it? Uh, if, you don't, if you don't know Dave and Rhonda, uh, I can tell you just a quick understanding of them that, that what you just heard, right, was not um, anything but the absolute truth. It, who, who they are, the idea that anyone and everyone matters. It ex- if, you've never, if you've never eaten there, by the way, that's not a ploy to get you to, to eat there, but you ought to go eat there. I'm just kidding. if you're able to. Uh, but what an incredible, and I, I love what she says, that, that it's not about the food. The food is amazing, but it's not about the food. It's about showing people who Jesus is. And, and I know what you do with your life is your decision. What I do with my life is my decision. But what we do with our lives does matter because other people matter, right? And so so here's what I want you to consider. And, and if you're a brand new person with Fountain Springs Church and you're like just, with us for the first time, then then disregard what I'm about to share. I'm gonna kinda have a a bit of a family conversation. I wanna invite you in to showing someone who Jesus is. We do this every year for Christmas by having a, a Christmas offering. Uh, we, we've stole the idea, by the way, from the Christmas story. Here's how it works. If you don't know the Christmas story or, or you forget, there's some, some guys that show up. We've got different songs that recognize them, like We Three Kings or the Magi or the Wise Men, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but they show up, and you know, if you know the story, they show up with gifts, but like not, not diapers and onesies. Like they show up to visit this, this child, this king, with pretty extravagant gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now you can get into the details of why they brought those, but they were extravagant. They were expensive. It was a big deal. So here's what we do as a church. And I want all of us to understand this, that we believe it is a part of not just Christmas, but being a christian that you would bring to god a gift uh, and so i'm gonna invite you in the, into the christmas offering where you give above and beyond what you normally do bring it to the church which means you're giving it to god and i think god will do amazing things with it more stories than we've even told yet things like for creel and beyond uh, locations and opportunities to know who jesus is now i've been living in south dakota now for 11 and a half years I think it officially makes it my home like I'm South Dakotan, okay? So, as your pastor, I need to talk to you like a South Dakotan, which I'm going to interpret as I need to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Does that make sense? I mean, if if you want a pastor who will gloss over realities, we are not the place, and so As we talk about the Christmas offering, you need to know a current reality of Fountain Springs Church. I'll give you in in number form, uh, negative 12.66. If you're with us the first week of the series, you're like, that percentage went up. You're exactly right. Um, In canceling church last weekend, uh, it did not give folks the opportunity to bring their normal tithes and offerings and so if you don't know what this number is, this is a negative number. This is how far behind the church is on giving this year and what we projected folks to be sacrificing and giving. This is not an attempt to convict you or make you feel bad. This is my attempt as leader of this church to tell you the current reality of the church. Rather than hide it from you, you just need to know this is it. So... Uh, If you received a letter from me about the Christmas offering about how we plan to launch a Southern Hills location uh, in 2020, uh, I have to just tell you, we have to put that on what we'll call the back burner because as as a leader, we got to catch up before we add more locations. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. And so we're a church of what kind of, we just transparency, you need to know this. And listen, listen, listen. Some of us are, are, you get so alarmed by this. You're like, oh no, what are we going to do? The ship is not sinking, but perhaps this is the challenge that you and I both need for the Christmas offering. Over half of Fountain Springs, over half of Fountain Springers give zero dollars to the church. Maybe this would be the year that you would move out of the zero category and move into something. Because many of us are like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, David, I can't do much. I can't, do, can't contribute a whole lot to the Christmas offering this year. So I'm not going to do anything. No, no, no. Here's what I teach my kids. Every sacrifice matters because everyone matters. We are not a church that, that uh, like favors rich people. <laughs> we are a church that says everyone matters. So that's all sacrifice and so I thought about not telling you this, uh, but frankly, it's just not the kind of guy that I'm going to be. You got it? Some of you are offended by this, and I do not apologize for that. Uh, I thought about it. You even apologize? No. Nah. Uh, you can be offended by it or perhaps let the Holy Spirit do something. We still have a mission as a church. We still feel called to show people who Jesus is. So we're not pulling back on that. In fact, perhaps we should go after it, all of us more aggressively than we ever have. So now you know the reality. You can do with it whatever you would like. Uh, there's another reality that you also need to know about that isn't financial. It's called tickets. So here's how I'd like to say it, get your tickets. Like, if you are planning on going to, to one of the Christmas services and you have yet to get tickets, this doesn't apply to you fellas at RCMU. But if you if you wanna go, you like, ow, oh, I know exactly what service I'm going to go to. I've already invited my friends or my family, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to this. Make sure you get your tickets because every year, um, folks are slightly, slightly is not even good, just very upset that they didn't get to go to the service that they wanted to because they didn't get the tickets when they should have. So get your tickets. That's no other way to say it. We got it? We good? Christmas? All right. That was fun. Let's talk about the Christmas stories. Uh, We started a series. If you missed it, so did I. (laughs) You don't get that joke, uh, you were out of town. Uh, So so we had a blizzard, uh, and it it led to the canceling of our services, but uh, thanks to technology, uh, we were able to capture that sermon on video before the blizzard hit. Yes, we do plan ahead just in case, because we are in South Dakota, you never know. And so uh, if you missed the beginning of the series, you can go get caught up. Even if you missed it, because we all missed it, go get caught up. And one of the stories of Christmas is, is value. If you don't know the story of Christmas, one of the things that will teach you is that you're valuable. I know most of us are like, well, I know that. But many of us don't live that way, right? We don't live each and every day throughout the whole day and even night owning our value. And you ought to go look at it. I want to add to it. And so let me take you to one of the other places, the stories of Christmas. Uh, But when the the right time came, God sent his son. That's the, the launch of Christmas. Born of a woman, subject to the law. Now I want to bring this up because I think this is worth your attention and mine. Subject to the law. Uh, subject to the law. You and I are subject to the law. Some of us do not drive that way, but we are. We're subject to the law. Uh, This this means that, that there are laws that apply to all of us, and if you break them and you get caught, that you are subject to what the law demands for you to figure out how to pay that off, whether it be time served or fines or whatever. Well, the same thing applies to God's law, meaning that if you sin... There's consequences to that, and there needs to be some sort of payment for that sin. When Jesus was born, he was also subject to the law, meaning if he did any kind of sinning, he was subject to that. God sent him, Christmas happened, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. In in other words, if you don't know what slaves, that seems a bit extreme, meaning that you were Everything in life was built on how good at following the law, how good at you were not sinning. Sounds not fun at all. By freedom for us who we were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. This is a big part of Christmas. See, when I, when I open up the Bible and we begin to look at, yeah, Jesus came in. Many of us, we talk about Christmas. You might even have a nativity scene set up at your house, or, or you've been taught you've got a tree up. I don't know what you do for Christmas, but we talk about Christmas. We focus on Christmas. We listen to the music. We eat the cookies, and we eat the cookies, and we eat the cookies, and we, okay, we focus on Christmas, right, and that's a big deal, but listen to me. There are some deep stories in the Christmas story. That if you'll let Christmas remind you of these stories, it will do an amazing wonder to your soul. So, so when I read this stuff to you that, that Jesus came for Christmas to give us freedom, here's what I'm trying to say. Christmas has everything to do with grace. I want to talk to you about grace. Now most of us love grace. Grace is awesome The idea of it, unless you're offering it to someone you don't like. But typically, receiving grace is awesome. And and when I say, I'm not talking about this kind of grace before the meal. I'm talking about the grace that that when you and I screw up, mess up, say something we shouldn't do, something we shouldn't. The idea that, that what's coming our way when someone shows us grace, it's huge. Christmas is all about grace. It's a central part of it. See, but I wondered, when I talk about grace, I wonder what you're thinking in your head when I say grace. When I say the word grace and receiving grace and grace being a big deal, do you live the true definition of grace? When I say grace, is that like, oh, yeah, yeah, every single day. Here's what I think. I think many of us, when we say the word grace, Jesus brought grace. He provided grace. Yay, I'm going to follow Jesus. And we think about grace, we don't actually think about grace. I think we replaced the word grace in our minds with the definition for karma. We are saying grace, but living by karma. Now, if you don't know, here's a rough definition of karma. Now, my intentions with this is not to like derail when we go talk about other religions. I just think many of us are here getting what you deserve, karma. In other words, like... If you're good, you get the presents that you have earned, or if you're bad, you get cold. Does that sound at all familiar? Maybe it's like, yeah, it's how we control our children, right? No, no, but there's even that in that underlying message in Christmas that if you're good, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you make good choices, then you're going to have good things come your way. And if you are bad, well, it's going to be rough for you. When I say Jesus for Christmas came to bring you and I grace, many of us are like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to try to earn me some of that. And many of us spend our lives not owning grace. We go after what I would call karma. And here's the real grace is the opposite of karma. And you want it to be that way, by the way. Grace it's not something you can earn and where you're like, hey, what do you have in your life? Well, oh, I worked really hard for this grace. I wonder what your approach to Christmas has been up to this point. Or even your approach to God. Trying to earn his favor, perhaps. I don't know. But grace is the opposite of karma. And that's what I want to go after. Let me, let me show you some, some stuff in the Bible. God saved you by his grace, Forgive me if this is so obvious to you, but this was enlightening to me, okay? Sorry, but here. His grace. Not your grace. See, when I read the Bible, that's a big deal to me. His grace. Not, not mine. Not something where I was, I had a really good day. I held the door open for everybody that I saw. <laughs> no, his, his grace. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. You can't earn it. Salvation is not, not a reward for the good things we have done. Salvation. We're not talking about like just earning stuff. Like, yeah, if, if you want to pay your bills, get a job. That's good. Like, earn certain things. But we're talking about salvation. We're not talking about earning your way to God. This is, salvation is a gift. It's not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I don't know how many people I've talked to. Near the end of their lives, with all honesty and integrity, look at me and hope they were good enough for God to accept them into heaven. And I wonder if that's in your world right now where you've processed that, hoping desperately that you've done the day good enough for him to like you. And Christmas can break you out of that. For We are God's masterpiece. He's working on us. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Grace is not earned, but many of us are trying right now. Many of us, as you begin to do your day, I don't know when it clicks in for you. Some of us, it's early on. Some of us, it's actually after we've done something we shouldn't have done and we regret it. When I talk to you about grace, I know sometimes it's stereotypical. Hey, yeah, what'd you do at church uh, this week? Oh, well, the pastor talked about grace. Oh, yeah, I love me some grace. But many of us aren't taking that grace and and pressing it into our souls. We're trying to be good enough. And what a conversation to have in the midst of Christmas. It's because I think you and I love to earn things. I don't think earning something is bad, by the way. Don't miss it. I, I think earning things, I Again, earn a paycheck, uh, earn a trophy. Well, I guess we don't earn trophies anymore. Anyways, a whole another sermon there. But um, like, when you and I like earn a promotion or we we earn, some, that earning's good. It feels good to earn something. That's not bad, and unless you put it in the wrong place, earning I think is something that we begin to actually instill in our kids pretty early on. I, I think about this often I was in second grade and and the teacher provided us with this list of books we were supposed to read and I was like sorry this is how I thought I was like well that good luck everyone else I, I'm not reading I was a great student for those of you who are teachers you would have loved me in class I mean they gave us a list of books and I was like do they have pictures? Like, what, what, what counts? And I had no interest whatsoever in reading. In fact, that carried all, a long way in my life. Hated reading. Some of you are like this, you hate reading. Like, the idea of reading is like the worst thing ever to do with your day. Some of you, it's the greatest thing. I hated it. Until the teacher got up one day and said, hey, here's the deal. I think it was motivated by students like myself and, and said this. Um, here, there's a new program called Book It. Some of you, you've done this program. Here's what it was. Um, If you read, we'll give you free pizza. And then the obesity epidemic. (laughs) For students like me, I mean, it was like, are you serious? And so after a certain amount of books you read, you got these stars, you put it on this pen, you got the certificate, and you better believe me. I was like, um, mom, dad. I'm about to earn this. I want you picking me up for lunch. We are going to go get that pizza the day I earn it. And that would happen all the time. That's one of the memories I have even in elementary school of getting picked up to go get my pizza that I earned because I read books. I began to be the best reader in our class. <laughs> pizza. <laughs> it's no longer a reality in my life. Um, you may have not done book it, but I... I bet you've earned something in your life at some point that made you feel really good. Because earning is not bad. Working hard, studying hard, getting that grade, getting that achievement feels good, doesn't it? But there's a problem in all of this. It leads me to a question I'd like to ask you. Are you applying your desire to earn to how you understand God? Earning has its place in life. I'm not hating on earning. But what I'm saying is many of us have taken that, that quadrant of our life and we've taken it and we've actually pressed it over to our understanding of God. Even more specifically, our understanding of grace. So we hear grace. The preacher man talks about grace. We like grace. We expect it. We want it. And then we spend the rest of our time trying to earn it. If you're like me, uh, I need visuals. Let me, let me help. Let's play with blocks for a little bit. That's you. You can know it's you because it says me. Consider your approach to God. Consider right now, right? I mean, think about it. Right now, if I were to say, how are you getting right with God? What's your approach to a relationship with God? Like, what's doing that? I would say many of us would say, okay, if that's my life, here's how I'm going after getting right with God, getting in a relationship with God, good deeds. In other words, we are launching with and utilizing, okay, I'm gonna get close to God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take God's love, I'm gonna press it in my life, so I'm gonna start doing good things. Most people, when they decide to follow Jesus, think this is that next step. Like, okay, I just have to get good. I gotta stop saying certain things, Start doing certain things and we, we, we start to build our life this way. And we, we misinterpret and we think that if we do enough good things that we will eventually have a good life. The more good things that we do, the more good things we do for folks, the more good things we believe about ourselves. That if we just do good things, it will lead to this good life that we're in desperate pursuit of. The world has many options to offer And I would say, whether you have acknowledged it yet in your life or not, you were born with this, you're hoping at some point that if you do enough good things and live a good enough life, that you can land somewhere with God's acceptance. That at some point, some moment, that God would look at you and say, you know what? You've done enough good things. I like you now. So now you can join me forever. I'm just going to tell you as a pastor, you'd be shocked at how many people are building their life this way. And if you haven't gotten nervous yet, some of you are like, please don't drop that David. <laughs> but do you see, do you see how fragile of a life this is? You see, it's not built on a strong foundation. This idea that life is about you, so what you do is you just go after trying to do good things. Hopefully that'll lead to a good enough life to maybe God will like you. And so life is just full of uncertainty and trying to get other people to like you and especially God to like you. This is the approach many of us are taking. We, we hear the word grace. We want grace. We like grace. But we build our lives this way. I don't, I don't want this for you. I don't think you want it. So what if you were actually to deconstruct your life? I know that sounds a bit extreme. Maybe professor-like. That's not my intent. What if you were to take the Bible? What if you were to take God's word and say, well, what what does God say? How does he say to build my life? Like, what do I start my day off? How do I live the rest of the day? How do I function? And according to the verses I've already read to you, God would say, here's how life begins. This is what you should build on. You should start each day, function through the day, treat others, literally live in such a way that's built on the fact that God loves you. Sounds simplistic, doesn't it? Kind of like, hey, again, preacher man, get deep. Come on, let's go deep. I'm telling you, that is depth. If you and I could just learn that this is the beginning and the end of days, That you and I, if we would just build on this, if we would walk through the day knowing that no matter if someone likes us, affirms us, approves of us, no matter if we live that day perfectly or imperfectly, we have this. God loves us. If you would build your life starting with this, you're immediately on better ground. According to what God teaches, here's how this works. If you accept that God loves you, he cherishes you, that you are actually his masterpiece, that by default leads to a good life. Let me explain because some of you are immediately arguing in your head. If you believe that God loves you, no matter what storm you face, you know it's temporary. I've been very open with you knowing that right now my mom is fighting cancer. But I bet you've got stuff in your life too. Storms, tough moments, right? Stuff that you're like, I hate this about life. Sometimes we look at Christians and we think they're faking it. There's bad things going on or things that are not awesome in their life. How are they happy? Because we build on this. If you know that this life is temporary and that God loves you no matter what, that just by default makes the opportunity to breathe amazing. It just makes life good, not perfect, not problem free. It makes it good and if you actually believe that, you know what happens by default just naturally? Just out of that you start to do good things. Rather than trying to earn God liking you, rather than saying I'm doing this good thing to, you seeing this, you see, you, you see what I did? Or some of us, did you see what I did not say to that person? Like, come on, you saw that in my head, right? See, when you believe God loves you no matter what you've ever done in your life, then you see that, you know what, life is not as bad as my circumstances might say. So what do I do with my life? Naturally, you just begin to do good things. And then you realize life is not all about you. And no longer do I have to balance this because it's on a better foundation. Life is built on God loving you. If It's not about positive thinking going, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. No, God loves me, God loves me, and nothing around me changes that. In fact, very simply put, Christmas, Christmas is proof. That God loves us. See, see, why am I sharing this with you? It, it, it's very simple. Because I believe the Christmas story goes after this. The Christmas story is all about this. And if you and I, I'm telling you, I think the world immediately gets better. Our relationships immediately get better. If we would all just build on this. If we would raise our kids to actually say, hey, you want to know something true? There's a lot of stuff that isn't true. But would you like to know something very powerfully true? God loves you. Some of us don't even like what I'm saying. You're like, yeah, but David, but tell them that they got to be sorry. It starts with God loving you, though. Sometimes we seek such a balance that we pass the most significant thing to build your life on, God's acceptance of you, God's love for you. Let me show you more just so you you know it's not just me. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. He proved it. This is is real love. Not not that we loved God, but that he loved us and said his son is a sacrifice to take away our sins. God loves you so much. Right now you may be wanting me to say and, or if, but can we just for a moment just stay there? No matter what you've got rolling on in your, in your life, whether it's good or bad, or can we just stop for a moment? We've gathered. Wherever you're at, we've gathered, right? God loves you. You, you can't do anything to earn that, and that's really good news. Uh. I'm, a, I'm an avid reader now um, still don't get pizza for it but but I'm an avid reader i want to I want to show you something that that was a big deal as I read it. This is one author's take. when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to ask us one question It's simply this: did you believe that I loved you so, so let me let's let's now, let's, for those of you who hate reading, let's take this out of the book. Let me ask you the question. Do you believe God's love, God loves you? Don't, don't, don't answer out loud, but I want your part. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you know what's going on in some of our heads right now? Yes, but. Yes, 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 he loves me, but. And you begin to add to that. This is what we, we stereotypically do. God loves me, but 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 what happened the other day, I, I need to kind of pay my due. I, I need to kind of re-earn myself back. That's not grace. Maybe it's like, well, well yeah, okay, yeah, I believe he loves I, I've heard that he loves me, or I've read that he loves me, or I've, the preacher guy said he loves me, or I've, I've even seen songs that talk about God's love for me. No, 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 that's not the question. Do you believe, have you let it get into your soul that God loves you? That's, that's building your life on this. Some of us are like, well, that's my problem. (laughs) You you know about grace, but you don't feel it. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. Okay, here. I, as your pastor, Reverend David Kanan, don't ever call me Reverend. (laughs) I have a lot of days that I don't feel that feeling of God's grace. So let me teach you something. Grace isn't a feeling. It's a gift. And many of us have been treating it like it's karma. Where it's this feeling that because we have done good, we feel like we've earned good. Grace is actually not an emotion. It's a gift. And the whole story of Christmas is built on grace. And so if we don't feel it uh, all the time, how do we get it? I love that you just asked that question because I have some things prepared. Uh, Here, here's one step. Accept his grace by confessing your need for it. If you ever have a day where you're like, I don't feel it. Uh, If he knows all that played out, I don't know if he likes me anymore. And you begin searching for this feeling. And instead of just the gift, you're like, what do I do with this? And some of us are like, I've never even talked about God this much. Accept his grace. Like, how? Like, how do I? Where's the gift? Is it invisible? Accept his grace by confessing your need for it because by confessing your need for it, it's an immediate act of acknowledging that God is God and he's the only one that can provide you the grace that you need. First John, if we confess our sins, by the way, you you don't need to confess this to me. The Bible's clear, you confess it to God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now listen, some of us immediately disqualify ourselves. Don't, don't say, well, does he know? But my past, but this played out or perhaps what you've done, others have not forgiven you for it. So you think that, that God's not gonna forgive you for it. Now listen, listen, he is faithful. Don't miss that. That means if you need grace, it is faithfully there for you and just That's a weird one that we don't talk a lot about. What's that mean? Like, if we confess our sins, he is just and will forgive us. It means he doesn't take your sins and sweep them under the rug and say, hey, no one's looking at him anymore. We're all good. No, he's just, which means he makes sure that your sin debt, my sin debt, what we did is covered. It's not going to come back later. God's not going to bring it up with you again. Perhaps some of us, to own this grace that we've been talking about, it's gonna lead you to a conversation with God where you just confess what you know you need to confess. But that's not all of us. Some of us need to get baptized. Yep. Some of you are like, I didn't, I didn't plan on that whatsoever. Again, I love you, but I don't care. We as a church strongly believe that a lot of the moments that happen in life are not moments that we planned, but that God predestined, that God literally set in place so that we could hear what we needed to hear. And there are gonna be folks that get baptized and we're gonna celebrate, that's gonna be awesome. But some of us who didn't plan on it, go to a class, we're like, what do I do? Well, you just went to the class, congratulations. I'll get you a trophy later. Maybe your decision on this very, in this very moment is to take the grace that God offers at Christmas, right? And you're like, how do I receive it? Maybe it's, you've already confessed it's time that you're actually gonna get baptized. And I, I, let me show you what this means. This is from the Bible. I use the message translation. It's a paraphrase, but it's really good here. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive. Grace. Right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross when people get baptized they're not declaring everyone i'm going to be perfect from here on out (laughs) no they're saying we believe this we own this many of you have confessed many of you have been baptized so you're like what do i do with grace at christmas here show gratitude show gratitude for his grace many times when you meet someone that is unwilling to forgive another person They're simply saying, not literally with their words, but with their decision, that even though I have received grace from God that I do not deserve, I'm not going to offer it to so-and-so. And And perhaps that's your call, your challenge with Christmas this year, is that you have received grace, so now out of gratitude, you're going to give it. Maybe for some, it's a sacrifice. You're going to do presents differently. You're going to make sure that God gets a present. But I think if you're a Christian, you're like, I've been doing this, show gratitude this year. Let that grace come out and be alive. I wonder where you're at on these. Uh, What I'd like to do is have a time of prayer for for any of us. So would you you bow your heads and close your eyes just to free you up from distraction? And here's what I wanna offer. I, um, I wanna pray for you. But I talked about confessing to God, getting baptized, Or just showing gratitude for the grace that you've owned. I I think you can find out where you're at on that. If you've never confessed. You're like, I don't know how to do this. Let me help. Just privately, silently. Speak this to God. God, I am sorry for all of my sins. I confess, God, that I am imperfect. I have made choices, decisions that do not honor you. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done, what I've said. And I accept your grace. God, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I now surrender to you. I am yours. Help me, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to walk life with you. Remind me each day to reaccept your acceptance God I love you thank you for saving me Lord I, I pray for our whole church what a mixture of information that you've wanted us to hear today from moments of financial sacrifice to moments of spiritual emotional Sacrifice, God, I believe you've called each one of us into a moment with you. Lord, would your Holy Spirit help us be open to it. God, whatever you wanted us to hear, not what we wanted to hear, whatever you wanted us to hear, Lord, help us to receive it and live it out. We glorify you and we praise you, especially as these folks get baptized. What an amazing story. God, you change lives. You're worth following. So we just tell you, we love you. We adore you. We praise you. We worship you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.